This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. And I'm having that experience, even though you and I were just there, mm-hmm. that I imagine all of you listening are having. And SEMA, maybe more than any other car event, does a fantastic job of giving the impression, you totally missed it, man. Everything <laughs> great was here. <laughs> and you not being here yes. means you totally missed out. There yeah. are so many yeah. six-foot-tall trucks on chrome <laughs> Trucks on chrome. It, it, it hurts my brain. I mean, there there was one truck that literally the inside of the wheel well had to be over seven feet tall. Yeah, it was above it our was heads. So high. Yeah. And I stand there and I ask this question. I stand there going, so where's the Home Depot ladder? Because you know they have one <laughs> that they have to pull out to get in the cab because there's no side rails. There's nothing like that fold, going fold, on. Fold, 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 yes. fold. Yes. Climb, 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 climb. Totally. <laughs> So that's one end of the spectrum. Then you have the other end of the spectrum, which you also saw in our photos, which is the people that take a car and hard park it. So the wheels are tucked up underneath the fenders and it's dropped to the ground. And the people that I think are happiest at SEMA, because we saw a few of these, are the two of those parked side by side. You have the hard parked, low as it can get car next to the high as it can get truck. So both get exaggerated. (laughs) And then you walk around and there's manufacturers and there's products you never imagined that are being sold like presented in a high class way and you're going somebody somebody made that that and then you see stuff somebody where it's put like, money into that seriously then you see stuff <laughs> where it's like i've always needed that i didn't know i needed true that. yes it's all over the place but it is simply overwhelming it is absolutely a vegas show yeah it is because it is so over an hour in you were overwhelmed, and you have barely started. We were there this week. We had a great time seeing all of our sponsors. It was awesome to see the guys at Power Stop. We saw our friends at Griot's. We wandered around everywhere and saw everybody we could find, and it was wonderful. We got recognized a couple times, which is always cool. That was cool, yes. Thank you, guys. It was really interesting to experience SEMA this year. Thinking back to 03, 20 years ago or so, mm-hmm. you remember the Chrysler 300 came out. Yeah. And Snoop Dogg pronounced it as the next car. That was the thing. Uh-huh. It was like the poor man's Bentley if you do it right. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. the Lambo doors and the chrome grills. And for years, SEMA was infested with the 300 and variants of right. it. was You're like right. new proportions because the body side was real tall, mm-hmm. taller than most cars of that era. And the DLO, the windows, were very low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mailbox styling. Totally, yeah. Unique and different to car styling in general in the sedan. And so it was... Slam, bag, yeah, everything. neon, everything. everything you could possibly think of. And then I think through all the years up to this show in particular, and I think, well, what, what car was the standout? What's the car of SEMA? What's the one? What do you think it was? I don't think it's any of them. Mm. Overlanding has certainly taken hold of everybody's imagination. Yes, and yes. anything in the overlanding category, you can go nuts. And it's there's amazing. many products. And we saw many built Cayennes, which I will be releasing uh-huh. photos of those because... Yes. Every time we'd walk around a corner, they'd be like, hey, another built Cayenne. Sweet. Well, hey. And also, anybody that recognized us or we were talking to at some point said, hey, Todd, have you seen all the built Cayennes? <laughs> exactly. I was like, yes. Seriously, by the third conversation, I was like, yes, I've seen them. Thank you. Point taken. I hear the, the influence. So what I'm seeing now is cars that are saved. Oh, yeah. True. Manufacturers of all types are saving cars. Yeah, yeah. We saw a lot of Jaguar E-types that were converted to electrics. And the one yeah. that we saw was started as a rust bucket. It was yeah, terrible. Yeah, yeah. And here this car has been brought back to life. Doesn't matter the powertrain. I actually like the electric powertrain for the Jag because it just wafts. Yeah. It's just this yeah. silent, beautiful sure, moving I that. shape. I can re- That really connects. But then at Griot's Garage, Griot's Motors built a 91 Volkswagen GTI with a 3.2 liter VR6, the 24 valve O2J transmission. I posted photos on our uh, social media. The owner of this car approached Griot's Motors because he had it in high school and wanted it to be perfect again. And so they stripped the car down to bare metal. We saw it years ago when it was in bare metal. Yeah, we did. They were plugging holes and welding things and making it perfect. So you open the engine compartment. It's like it never was. It's absolutely perfect. It's 
Yeah. Unbelievable car. The craftsmanship is superb. It's on par with Singer, in my opinion. It's it's on par with anything that you've ever seen that is sort of like you, you have this first read and second read. You think, oh, that's a GTI on really cool polished BBS. Wait, that's perfect. Wait, the paint is perfect. Wait, the interior. Oh my gosh. Down to a travel bag that was from Griot's Motors <laughs> in the same plaid You're fabric so right. as the seat inserts. It was so on point. So all these builders are now looking at cars of the past going, you know what? Instead of junking that car, that was a special car to a lot of people. Now, this doesn't apply to all cars. Cavaliers, I am sorry if you had a Chevy Cavalier or even a Beretta. <laughs> wow. They are okay. out. They are right out. <laughs> but a cool GTI, you had something old alpha, you had whatever. And the the list of those cars can be pretty long. It's pretty creative. So I'm seeing these builds. And not only is it bringing back to life, but it's a restaurant. It's got more power and it's better than it's ever been. And yeah, this is yeah, how yeah. the car should have been Yeah. to the point where everyone at Griot's was saying they overheard a lot of engineers speaking German, muttering to themselves, yes. looking the car over uh-huh. and kind of wondering like, well, what do you, what do you think? Nice doesn't begin to cover it. Oh, it's a nice GTI. The more you looked at it, the more you realized that this is, it was the perfect execution. It was the Singer style of what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Singer, Icon, all of these. Yes. It's like that old thing. Isn't that cool? And the more you look or sit or touch, you go, oh, that's changed. Oh, wait, that's cleaned up. Oh, wasn't there a seam here? That seam's mm-hmm. gone now. The seams in the engine bay have vanished in this car. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. That, that's how far this was. When They're we first saw it, it was a body perfect. in white. Yes. And they, they, they it took was away, body in metal. <laughs> it was. They took away all of the unnecessary seams that you would like. You would just see them when you open up the hood. Gone. Yeah. yeah. The Griot's one was wonderful. But you're right. It points to the fact that there's a whole world of cars that people are saving. We saw one 50-year-old Corolla from the U.K., Yes, it was a and I'm standing there. Corolla. I'm standing there going, "Why?" And then I'm reading the stats on it and realizing that this was somebody's hundreds and hundreds of hours, two hundred thousand dollar build to make what we're talking about. Some person liked their Corolla so much they made the perfect saved resto modded Corolla. Mm-hmm. We got into a conversation with Matt over at Grios about the fact that he feels like the wave of resto modding is hitting that 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. the JDM, the, yes. the, the non, the resto mod's been a muscle car thing. Yes. It's leaving that now and, and heading into everything else. You're right. And there's just as many beloved models of the 80s and 90s JDM yes. cars uh-huh. as there were of the muscle car era. Completely. There's gobs of them to be this to be done to. But I'm also not saying you have to do the extreme end, the high dollar sure, restos. Sure. I'm saying with minimal investment Mm -hmm. to be able to save these cars and keep them on the road. And that gave me hope that Mm. I put all this money into the 928. It wasn't (laughs) worth junking. It was like right on the edge. (laughs) Got it. And yes, it was painful. But on the other hand, I've got a really great 928. Still needs a gearbox in the back, but still. (laughs) It's it's almost perfect. Just a little bit more money and you can have a perfect car. (laughs) Just a little bit more. That's what projects convince (laughs) you of, don't they? Just a bit. You're almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. Yeah. Oh, so you got so close. (laughs) So close. I'm loving seeing these cars and what they do to inspire everyone to keep these cars running. They are worth preserving. They are worth saving. And that was the message from SEMA, loud and clear to me. That's interesting. Through all of our sponsors, all of the parts available, everything out there. So there's overlanding. There's a trickle, there's a dabble with EVs and people are starting to do stuff with that. It's not very large yet. And then all of the save cars, save, Mm. not just the manual, save cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was really encouraging to see. It was amazing. The show was huge, of course, but you could, like we've talked about, you could start at one end of the show and have a fully running name your car at the other end, fully perfect everything with all the parts and and customization available. If we were a build show, that's the show that I would do. Start start at one end of the convention center. With with nothing in my pockets and leave SEMA with a built vehicle. You could absolutely do that. Because there's tools. Everything. There's lifts. There's everything. If you took an army of people and swept through SEMA, you could leave with a car. You absolutely that's fantastic. Could. That's the great would, idea for a build show. I would love to do that as a build show. We're not a build show, so we will not be the ones doing it. If anyone does it, you heard it here first. I will also say thank you because you've reminded me that the plague of 300s has left SEMA. 
I will remember what yes. I felt like was simultaneously the peak and please stop moment that I saw of a 300 from SEMA years ago. Okay. It was an orange one. Of course, it had the Lambo doors because everybody had that, right? Yeah. But the trunk, yeah. they had changed the way the trunk worked. And imagine the trunk of a big sedan, the bottom right corner of the trunk, the flat facing part above the bumper was where the trunk attached. Oh. And so it's popped open. That was the like, new hinge point. Exactly. It popped oh, open goody. off of a single hinge, like some sort of weird, you know, pop top on a, on a soda can and then spun. And I was like, can <laughs> we stop, please? Can, can we call this done? Are we all done? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Singer, Icon, Griot's Motors, they've done it at the very high end. And I love that this is now kind of permeating throughout the whole industry. And those cars are now old enough where they need some TLC. Yeah. Because yeah, there's, they're worth preserving. There's a lot of cool new cars and interesting cars yeah. like the blue GR Corolla that we saw that was superb. In the proper blue that it should have come in from the beginning. Superb. There it was. Yes, absolutely. And what Toyota and Lexus are doing, Lexus embracing overlanding. Yeah. Toyota yeah. with all their new models was just amazing to see. And Nissan was there too. They were displaying the uh, the new Nismo Z along with the, the Nismo GTR. A slightly lifted off-road Z too. Off-road Z. It was an homage to the uh-huh. 240, I believe, <clears throat> yep. uh, back in the day. They had a great display too. It was, it was this nice dichotomy, but it was like, okay, it is worth doing that because then you'll have the car that you mm-hmm. love. And there's good ones coming out. There's a good future ahead of us. But there's no reason to leave this past behind because of powertrains, because of new tech to keep these alive. That's so cool and encouraging. We just had our Hyundai Santa Cruz. It was a 2024 in the press fleet here. It was the XRT version, all-wheel drive. And I've been reminded how good this thing is because it's got a DCT, eight-speed dual-clutch, wet dual-clutch transmission, 2.5-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine, and this was Fully loaded, the XRT flavor, $41,635, and I could take people. I could take people in corners in a Santa Cruz. And my neighbor stopped, (laughs) saw that I had one in my Uh driveway, and he said, I've really been looking at those. I can't afford the XRT full boat version, but what do you think of them? And I said, you know what, flat out, there's nothing to run from. I know Hyundai as yeah. a company has had their ups and downs lately, but I said, this is great. And, you know, it gets teased because it's not a real truck. That's why I want it. It's sure, sure, it's sure. just yeah. a ute. Yeah. I don't need a giant truck bed all yeah. the time. And it drives so well, it rides so well, handles great, and it's fast. It's so fast. <laughs> We've heard from a few of you that own them in the base form, which we will admit we have not driven. I feel like the the DCT upper level that is again forty grand is is surprisingly sporty to drive, Absolutely. and then has this kind of rough and tumble usability as well, mm-hmm. which is an impressive combo. Some of you have written out, written to us, and told us that having the base engine, you find it wonderful as a utility vehicle. I would imagine it's a little bit less fun because the upper level trim feels like the one you want because it is quite sporty to drive. Behind the wheel is like, oh, this is fun and fast and quick, and then you're like, oh. Well, yeah, just throw that in the back, mm-hmm. which is which is a difficult combination to pull off, though I think they're just cool in general. I do think that the driver's seat is awesome and the passenger seat is okay. Yeah, the passenger seat's okay. I mean, and, it's still, but, you know, it's not a $60,000 exactly, truck. Exactly right. And I wish I wish the way you want it or that, that upper load, loaded trim wasn't full 40, but yeah. look at what cars cost. All right, this... Every time we're in it, it's cool. Every time I see one, honestly, like around town, I'm like, that's just a cool choice. And we didn't, ha- we had a black one. We did a test drive uh, with a black one uh, just over a year ago, but this was with the sage green. Yes. And I just think they're cool. Yeah. They turn heads. And my neighbor's like, what What would hold you back from buying one of those? I said, nothing. Mm-hmm. Go get one. They're if you, superb. If, yeah. if it works for what you need, why not? Whatever car you're looking for and wherever it's listed, You'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Autotempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. 
all the cars, one search. Rodrigo writes to us from the Netherlands. Very cool. And the headline for his email is about his kid's first words. His first word was auto. Auto. He said, not mom, not dad, not anything that relates to his daily life. Auto. It was auto. I love that. Rodrigo, thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. He has discovered the podcast, and he is far from reaching a conclusion. Because he's looking to buy a car just for enjoyment, Mm. as we all want. The utility he needs out of this vehicle is low, and he is a Belgian living in the Netherlands. As you may know, he writes, some of this world is some of the flattest around, which is great for bicycles, but doesn't produce great driving roads. (laughs) Oh, look, it's flat again. (laughs) But he says the country is small, about an hour and a half, two hours away from the topography changes for fun roads. His one-day attainable dream car is an E92 M3 BMW. What's not to like, other than the fuel consumption at European prices? Yes, <laughs> the convertible version, he writes, but he says this would mean he could include his family more often. Okay. They start around 33,000 euro for higher mileage. He's not quite there yet, hopes to be shortly. But he says he wonders what could he get. He wants to include his family in the weekend trips. Mm-hmm. He's got a two-year-old, the... Auto. First word is auto. Yes, exactly. His boy had some health problems initially, but he's, medically speaking, he's passed that. Which is and, great. And uh, he's made a full recovery. We're very thankful for that. Grateful for that, Rodrigo. So what is the use case for this? He wants to go to the Eiffel region in Germany. Love it. You know what else is in the Eiffel Mountains? <laughs> well, in the Ardennes in Belgium. I mean, you're talking about yeah, the Ardennes, spot. Yes. Let, let's, let's just, yes, let's just call it what it is. I mean, That's where you're going. There's a little town of Nürburgring uh-huh. Maybe you've in heard the of Eiffel it. Mountains. Mm, you might have heard of it, yeah. What's that road around it called? I don't remember. It's some sort of ring road. Circular. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, he wants to do longer road trips further into Europe in the warmer months, and he would like more power, which, you know, over 200 horsepower, getting close to 300 horsepower would be cool. He also wants to do some driving holidays. He wants to join us on adventures. We hope to do more of those in the future as well. That'd be great. And he says he wants to maybe organize some of his own, which he's done with his motorcycle riding friends. Added bonus, again, would be to include the family, but that means four seats and having an isofix connection for the car seat in the rear. Mm. So, you know, you do have to be careful how far you go back, how, how old you true, go with, uh, true. with the Isofix for but, various cars. But there are tons of ways to attach a car seat, even if it doesn't have the exact connectors you want. There's right. good ways to connect car seats no matter what. But onward, yeah. His budget for this holdover car is ten to 16,000 euro for the perfect solution. He could stretch to 20, but he'd prefer to not. He says the German market has more options and can often be cheaper than the Dutch market and sends us a few links to go shopping. And he's added context on what he's owned, first of all, and then what he's considered. He has, let's see, short history of car ownership, E36 323i sedan. And then he owned an E28 528i. And then he had a E46 320d Touring. Mm-hmm. He says the German Shepherd fits comfortably in the boot. <laughs> <laughs> but then he followed that with an R53 Mini Cooper S, which he loved that his dog did not. Because the dog was like, where'd all the space go? <laughs> dog was not pleased. Uh, we were just in a big touring. What are we doing now? <laughs> then he owned a BMW E91 330D wagon. Torque galore, but back to practicality and putting on the miles. His current garage includes a Toyota CHR Hybrid, which is a company car. Okay. He says it works and fuel is paid for, but he is going to be upgrading to a BYD Seal Excellence. Huh, okay. This is a, an EV with 530 horsepower. Rodrigo says it won't be very engaging, but will be quick and quiet. Yep. He would not dare spend his own money on a Chinese car yet, so he will experiment with his employer's money. Interesting. Good they plan. Also, <laughs> they Good also plan. have a BMW. Let's, again, E46-320i Touring, that is his wife's car, probably because he wants that to be his wife's car. He said she'd prefer a boring small Peugeot, but she drives the E46 Touring and actually likes it because she loves him. And they have an E46-328i Coupe that is his track car and a Triumph Tiger 1050. I, I want to circle back real quick, Rodrigo, because there's something interesting that happens at the beginning of the email and then I think falls apart at the end. At the beginning of the email, you say how much you'd really like to have an E92 convertible M3. Yeah. And then you say, if we're going to have a holdover car, you don't want it to be too similar to an E92 M3. And then we get to your life experience of cars, and it is almost entirely BMWs, including already having owned an E91 wagon and currently owning two BMWs. So I'm just going to put it out there. If you really want a new experience, we need to not go BMW. 
And I'm, I'm going to come back to this. Look, the E92 convertible is a very cool car. You can get it in hard. I think it's actually E93 when you get the hardtop. It's an E93 Either way. technically. The yes. point is, it's a convertible hardtop. It's very cool. Great engine. We love that V8. It's an excellent car. But I think you need to move on from that. You have owned every mm. BMW around it. I think we need to move on from BMW because what I also find interesting is you've said nothing too close to the E92 you're dreaming about. And then on the cars you've considered are BMW 128, BMW 135, BMW <laughs> E92 uh, Cooper convertible that's not the M3, the Z4 first or second gen. I like all those cars. They're good. Oh, by the way, there's also an E46 M3 on here. I just <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're buying everything around your dream car. Yes. I'm, I'm surprised yes. at how close you are considering you started up front with, I don't want to crowd my dream. I like that. I mean, what do you have? What are you thinking for Rodrigo to, to switch well, to? Well, look, I... You mentioned a Cayman and Boxster's considerations. I think those are good considerations. But what I'm wondering here is you need to go somewhere new. Now, I did put Mini Cooper convertible on here. You didn't have you want because you want to take the family and the and the family would like the convertible. So you're trying to accommodate those realities in your fun car. Mm-hmm. You've had a Mini Cooper and you liked it. What about a Mini Cooper convertible that it does get it done? The dog's going to be pissed. The dog's not going to be. The dog's not going on the trip. No. But but here's the thing: that Mini Cooper convertible. You know you like the chassis. You can get it in convertible. I think your wife would like being in it. They're fun little cars. And if you do still go to the E93 M3 convertible, that Mini doesn't crowd that world at all. You didn't yeah, get true. another BMW rear-wheel drive uh, car in the interim. You got something different that you can just have for fun and you can have... Because I feel like this needs to be your play car. And that feels it like does. a perfectly good play it car. Does. I did also think, just to completely warp the world, and I'm probably going to, Rodrigo, just don't turn off the podcast. Just listen through. Ooh. Audi S4, A4 convertible. Ooh. You didn't bring up Audis at all, but the thing is, what Audi makes is an excellent four-seat convertible. That's what the A4 S4 convertible is. So look at one of those. That's not going to be as dynamic as what you've liked from the BMWs, but it does exactly what you're talking about, and that is it's something you could get, take the family on, be convertible, be nice, it's not going to be bad to drive. The S4 convertible would be pretty good to drive, but it is different. If you do go to that M3, you had something different in the interim, though I have a wild card that I think is just full stop winner. Don't even go BMW. All right, let's hear it. You need a 911 Cabriolet. Yeah, you do. For your I'd like to go no, no more than 20 grand, you could right now get a 996 911 Cabriolet in Europe for under 20 grand. Yes, it's got a lot of kilometers on it. I would buy a 996 Cabriolet 911 with less concern for what is going to go wrong than I would an E92 convertible or E93 convertible M3. I'd be more concerned yeah. about what is lurking in that big M3 than I would be the old 996 911. That's a good point. But in the You've short got a good term, point. you could get a 911 Cabriolet. The thing about the Cabriolet 911s is they always plummet in value compared to the hard tops. And the 996s, you've got the unloved 911 generation in cabriolet form. They're pretty affordable, comparatively. Mm-hmm. So you could mm-hmm. go get a 911 cabriolet as your... Let, let's just say you're still going to go M3. The 911 cabriolet is a total reset of anything you've had in the interim. It's the beauty of 911s because it can be sports car. It can be more hardcore kind of thing. But then you can fit people. I mean, you, you can and fit your, your wife two, and your old. son can take a convertible car around Europe. It yeah. is the utter opposite of that M3. I think your your holdover car is that. And, and it might really change good. what you do about the M3. I, I think the change is so significant, it might change your thinking. Rodrigo, whenever somebody writes to us and says, what I really, really want is, in your case, <laughs> yes. an E92 M3 or an E93 or a 911 or a Corvette yeah, whatever. or something. Yeah. The first thing we always do is say, go buy one. The thing that you told us you want, go get that. Yes. Why would you prevent yourself from getting what you want? If you can get it and you've got the money and you found one, buy it. And if you can't afford one right now, what I really find fascinating is the fact that one of the things on your list was to get a Cooper convertible of the E92 chassis with a lesser engine. I'm just thinking, no. Yeah. And, you know, I've... I've really wrestled with this, Rodrigo, because you've had a history of BMW. Yes. You've, you've had, uh, you've owned half the, half the history of BMW's <laughs> models, I think. Maybe not quite. I'm kidding. You're, you're cl- he's close. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's close. And then I thought, okay, you need four seats, you know, four doors. What, those 540s are cheap. 
the E39, 540s, V8, they're really cool. And oh, I like wagons. And then I realized you've had a lot of BMWs. Yep. You've had a lot of wagons. Yep. A lot of tourings, a lot of estates. Because then I even went like, hey, like an O2 Mercedes E55 estate. Okay. okay. Those are sweet for all of us in the States. Sure. Everybody in North America is like, yes, get one of those. And I'm sure you have, you're tired of them. Well, and he already has the family wagon. And he's already got the family wagon. Yeah. I love your 911 suggestion. Yes. It, it's always fascinating to me to see the home models from every car company yes. where they are on the planet uh -huh. is dictated by the kind of driving and roads they do. So That's very true. Britain mm -hmm. and Germany yeah. and Japan. That's and why we made muscle cars that go really fast in a straight line. Yeah. Uh -huh. We have Texas, Montana, and Wyoming. Yep. We've got all three in Northern California. Nebraska. Nebraska. You're right. <laughs> Put your foot down at the western edge. <laughs> lift your foot off the gas when you need Seriously. gas. That's really all you do. Hello, Dodge. I love that. I want all of you to go, and I'm going to say try. The CHR is going away. The BYD is coming into your life. Uh -huh. You're going to be without a Toyota, and I'm going to say GR86. I know there's probably a waiting Interesting. list. Okay. Spend less money. Can you buy one? Even, uh, I, I know they're hard to find. Our friend Owen in Zurich has yep. one. He got yep. one and he's loving it. Yep. I'm going to say GR86 because Interesting. your son is two. Yeah. The backseat is not great, but for a two-year-old, just fine. There's Isofix. It's a modern car. It's the car that I think would fulfill everything because it's not useful in comparison to everything else that you sure. own. Well, and maybe even go back to first gen. Maybe. To, to just, if it's a holdover car, it's a total reset car compared to what he's had. I do like that. It's yes. not a convertible, but it's everything else. That's pretty cool. It is not a convertible. I admit that. I mean, you could go. Easy, easy. Well, yeah, no. don't do that. Don't, no, don't, don't. See, then, don't then go, I think like M30. See, you just no, came uh, from SEMA. You're thinking about him sawing the top off that. Don't do that. Yeah, you you know what you could do? <laughs> don't do that. Dump no. a bunch of money into no. it to, uh -uh. Uh, to customize it. No. GR86, spend half. Okay. That way there's no mystery. Now, the cost of this will be more than your budget. I know. I am aware of that. For the new one, yes. It's me talking, but I'm still <laughs> going to recommend it because they're still so brilliant. And you can get them. I, I see there's a waiting list on Toyota's website of Germany. I see the waiting list. But again, maybe he gets a first gen for cheap because it's a holdover sure. car. It's the holdover car until you get your E92. So go get your... Well, Save for the 92, uh -huh. GT86, GR86, somewhere in there. It's just such a fun, <laughs> it it's is the a fun opposite movie. of everything you have in your life. Yeah, that's great. I yeah, like I that. I think you'll just cackle. You'll be like, this thing's so light and raw and fun yep. and yep. goofy. And let's just drive for the heck of it. That's my suggestion. Rodrigo, happy hunting. Thank you for writing. If you've got a debate like Rodrigo's, TV at gmail.com. We always recommend that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is brakes. An upgraded braking system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. From the track to the trail, even your morning commute, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter your vehicle and driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. Just go to PowerStop.com and you fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder. You'll get matched with complete kits with components that are low dust, which we've seen, noise-free, which is amazing, and feature upgraded stopping power. We've seen great results firsthand on our cars, and we encourage you to improve your car with better brakes from PowerStop. Brake upgrades made easy. You always do a great job of kind of curating this podcast and finding things that, that match each other. And <laughs> I accidentally found these two, maybe you intended it, but I, I tried to find through lines. I found these two to align in, in surprising ways, but where this goes sideways is our friend David is writing and I'm reading along about his needs. He wants something a little fun. You know, he's getting rid of his 2011 Hyundai Elantra. It's got 93,000 miles. He, he'd like to have a sedan or wagon, but his wife has the SUV, so he could be, you know, a different experience. He just, his wife's only request was four doors, so the kids, three and a half and seven, can ride in the back, and, you know, but, and she wants an automatic because she wants to be able to drive it. And he's like, okay, all right, fine. But ultimately, this is his car. He wants to commute in it. Yeah. And he heard us, since he's found the podcast, thank you for listening, talking about, opining, if you will, about how good the Alpha Julia is. And he was like, I'd never thought of it. And he went down to his local Alpha dealer to drive it. And here's where the huge record scratch happens, because then this is the point at which David reveals he's six foot five and he fits in almost nothing. 
David walked into his local Alfa Romeo Maserati dealership and could see the salesperson's eyes light up when he said he wanted to replace his car. Love it. He sat in the Julia and it failed. <laughs> his head hit the ceiling. It didn't just hit. It was cocked to the side. Oh, man. But the salesperson recovered. Not a problem. Let's try the Alfa SUV. Look at that emblem on the side. It means it's got special, the special <laughs> engine. And oh, look, your head hits that too. So why don't we take a look at the Maserati sedan? And gee whiz, you are tall. Your head hits on that too. Have a try in the Maserati MC20 they've got sitting there. It doesn't cost anything to look, right? <laughs> you start at a Julius sedan. So roughly $50,000. He's got you in the quarter million and up MC20 to see if you fit. That's what I love about <laughs> Just this. To like... Talk about upselling. Well, let's, let's go up the price ladder until you could fit. I like this salesperson's thinking. Who oh, needs four doors when you've got an MC20? Yes. It'll fit someone who's six foot seven. Well, would you look at that? Less than a pinky between that ceiling and the top of your head means you'd feel every bump. Yep. Perhaps you'd like to go to our sister dealership, sir, and take a look at the Porsche Panamera. Which you would fit in. Which you would, absolutely. You would fit in, yes. But they're not in budget. Well, maybe 65, though. Maybe. Well, yeah. 65. But, but, but he admits. Ooh. He could. But he admits... He does fit in the Panamera. He just he's not a fan of the styling unless it's the Cross Turismo, which is the super cool wagon. Which is the super that cool is outside wagon. his budget. Yeah. yeah. So he says the MC20 <laughs> fell out of consideration. Ooh, but he did say, look, he said he sat in the C8 Corvette, and definitely his head hits there too. So he was just he was not too surprised that 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 his head hits on so many things. But wow, was that a turn? You said you're six five with a long torso, which means you have my problem with two extra inches, which is not good news, by the way, because I'm the one that already struggles to fit in things. I went back and looked at a couple of our videos to see the headroom you you and I have on a couple of things. Okay. Because the the problem that is the problem here, David. I'm going to make some recommendations. I know Paul will have good ones too, but short of you climbing into what we're talking about, I just simply don't know. Once you get to these extreme levels in body type, the person has to just climb in and see, right? Because yeah, I keep telling my son who is growing crazy fast now. Yeah, he is. Stop, son. Not because I'm worried about him being taller than me. I, my, my literally say to him, I'm like, look, you want to stop like six feet at the top so you fit in everything. <laughs> okay, so that's, the, David, you have this problem. I totally get it. And, and how big are your kids going to be? Anyway, I totally get it. We're going to make recommendations, but it may be a situation where they get thrown out because you climb in it and go, nope, you've set a max budget of about $65,000. Would love to spend less, but that is the reality of what you're looking at. Adaptive cruise control would be good, a good sound system, because you do commute back and forth to the Bay Area, 45 minutes in traffic. So even though you like a manual, you're perfectly fine with an auto, plus your wife wants one, which means good interior, reliable, and you said no chargers, no Subarus. You don't like their styling. I'm thinking about this one too, David. Thank you for writing. He wants something three years old or newer, something reliable. He doesn't want a car that people describe as a joy to have while it's under warranty. Yeah. It's a joy because it's under warranty. <laughs> keep, it, keep it for the warranty period. Put that date terrible. on your calendar. Warranty yeah. expires. Oh, uh -huh. yeah, that's right. We've got to get rid of it. So the Julia won't work. He's not driven the Elantra N, but would consider it based on his satisfaction with his current car. Panamera, not a fan of the styling. Acura TLX Type S. That surprised me. How... How do you fit in that? Yeah, how do you fit? Do you fit in that? You said it's a nice place to sit. Which, okay, now we have talked about the fact that the, the issue with that car is that is a four-door car for two people. Okay? <laughs> it's enormous. Okay? And, and you and I yeah. actually do fit, even though I wanted more space in the front. So, David, I'm amazed that you fit. But anyway, you said the back seat, quote-unquote, works if you move your seat up. I had, no, I had no space to put people behind me. So I'm amazed by that. What's interesting is you've taken the rear seat legroom measurement and extrapolated it to other cars. And I find that lies sometimes. Just going to put oh, it out the, nicely. The, the numbers? That if you just look at the number for the rear seat measurement, you, unless it's a huge measurement in comparison, like the new uh, Honda Accord has almost 40 inches. I'll tell you right now, that's a lot. These He'd fit 30, in an Accord. He would. These 33, 34 inches uh, climb in because you said you took out the Lexus IS500 because it claims to have less room than the Cadillac, which is claiming to have less room than the TLX. And I I haven't been in the CT4 Blackwing and the TLX back-to-back. -back, I don't know, but I would be astonished 
if the Blackwing has less actual usable rear seat legroom than the TLX does. I love that you fit. It is a great car. I back your play on wanting it. I'm just astonished that it works. Yeah, that that's an interesting choice. He mentions that IS500 too, which is a cool choice. It's a cool car. David says that top-of-the-line fast wagons, the, the ones that are being made today, they're beyond his price range. Should he be looking at an Audi A4 Allroad or the used Mercedes E450? Will those be fun enough when compared to an Elantra N, TLX Type S, Blackwing, etc.? I love the Blackwing. If you could... I do too. If the back seats could work. I love that as a uh, last gasp, kind of, you own it. I've never been impressed with the CT4. I never liked that car. But Blackwing Black should should change things. But I started looking, David. Acura Integra. This is like a Civic. Uh-huh. It's got surprising room. Great room. I, I'm not going to put my stamp of guarantee. I'm not going to stamp of approval or the guarantee that you'll fit. But I, I think you'll fit. If you fit in a TLX, why wouldn't you fit not fit in an Integra? I, I think you would, yeah. Go look at an Integra now. Your wife wants the auto, even though it does come with a lovely six-speed manual. The CVT is the other option, but we liked it on the Civic Touring, and it's better than you would think. For all the CVTs that are out there, we like that one. It's it's up there with one of the, the best ones that we like. But the Type Decent. S is so the one you want. But the, the Type manual. S is the one you want. The Type S is the one that you... Honestly, David, <sighs> I think you would fit, and I think you would love that car, but it is a manual. It is a manual. It's I mean, an easy is, to drive manual, but it's a manual. David, this is the Integra Type S, not the TLX yes. Type S, because you get that manual. That is a superb balance. It's new under your budget. I know you could probably find them. I toyed with the idea of a BMW M440i, you know, when we had that green yeah. one that we yeah. drove. That was interesting. It was on the expensive side, even though, you know, a lot of power, BMW power. It had great interior space. It was a cool-looking car. It just... The teeth, you know, or the hold yeah. back. Yeah. So I have decided you need to go to Volvo. Oh, that's interesting. S60. Okay. Yeah. Should fit everybody on the planet. Aren't Scandinavians tall people? They're yes. generally tall people. Yes, they can be. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, tall. you know, that's some, somewhat of the benchmark. They have that in mind. You know? <laughs> they, I know you'd fit in an S60 and they're great to drive. Mm-hmm. S60, my friend. That's very good. I like that a lot. I was going to say, uh, I want you. To, I kind of want you to try the Genesis G, G70 because it's a great sedan. I, I don't know that it has more room than the Alpha. I think it depends on how the sunroof and you align. Because you know it has it has <laughs> What's the, your relationship the, with your the mechanics to, for the sunroof, and then this, and then the, you get an extra two three inches that goes up before the sunroof starts. Oh yeah, just open the door. No o- no no, I'm not saying with it open. To I'm, the, to I'm, to I'm the saying sunroof. the actual place where the sunroof is. You might have just enough space in there. That is an excellent alternative to the Alpha Julia. It's an atypical choice. It drives very well. Get it with the the turbocharged V6. Decent back back seat space for kids. So I think you'd be fine mm-hmm. in that regard. I don't. I genuinely don't know if you're going to fit. Though I am going to say this is kind of a blanket statement. You know who makes cars for big people is the Germans. Germans? In general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just if there is a German car you are considering, you will probably fit. I'm going all the way down to things like the Golf. I mean, like German oh. cars in general have good headspace. Oh. So you could look at something like a Golf R. If you want to just, oh. you know, because that's going to have nice appointments. It's going to be a good place to sit. Uh-huh. It's going to have room. It's going to have good back seat space. You can get it with the great DSG gearbox. Loads of power. GTI or Golf R, you could go that route and have a really good do-it-all commuter that is still fun. You could go that route. But just staying with the German theme, you mentioned the, the 440. Anything 3 Series or 4 Series. What do you like? What matches your budget? I expect you're going to have plenty of headroom in there and decent usable back seats. So I would highly recommend the 3 or 4 Series, depending upon what works. I would say probably 3, since your wife has said not just 4 seats, but 4 doors. So probably 3 Series, but that has quite a bit of headroom. And again, you can get over into the Porsche brand, and they do a really good job on headroom. Whenever we take our pilgrimage, the tallest folks that come with us are always happy in Caymans and 911s. Always. With helmets on. With helmets, yeah. So the Germans really do a good job on that. Also, most people that are on our trip drive the BMW uh, 2 Series, and that typically fits them as well, even though it's a little small for your needs. So I definitely want you to think about German cars. Of course, that means you could go over into our friends at Mercedes. Mm-hmm. You could look at some of their stuff. The price goes up quick. That's the problem. If you're wanting something under three years old, and I think all the ones that are going to feel big enough to you are going to be above your budget. G70, maybe a GTI or Golf. Or a three series? Uh, you've given me an idea. Okay. I 
am going to suggest an Audi RS3. David, if you're at 65K, can you just bump it up a scotch? That would That's a can score. You, can you no, find that's an a RS3? You will fit in that, I'll, Yes, I hope. I would I would imagine I so, because it's it's the golf chassis. I would imagine golf so. Golf chassis. Yeah. The seats are low enough. I wonder if you'd fit in that. Ooh. And you could get an RS3, and your kids are young here. And they that would work. RS3 would be very, very fun. It's RS3. a great car. It's, it's, a, a it's, skosh, just a it's like five grand more and you can get yourself one. Yeah. Oh. All right, David. Well, you've got some drive homework to do. Happy hunting. We are sorry that your head hits the roof on lots of fun things. But, too bad. But yes, hopefully these suggestions will work. Let us know what you get. Some great audience questions. Thank you guys as always for writing in. I'm going to start right here with Forrest Jenkins because I heard another comment that related to this the other day on one of our videos. He said he's getting ready to replace his original manufacturer run flat tires mm. so now he knows that non-run flats will ride better but he said i do use my car a lot for commuting a lot for spirited drives it's no track days he's very worried about a blowout from potholes any thoughts mm. forrest here's here's the thing with this i also saw a comment recently where somebody was raging on one of our test drive videos that the, the car we had driven that we liked, they really liked it too, but they would never, ever buy it because it doesn't come with a spare. I have lived in pothole winter-strewn Park City for over a decade now. And while I will admit, I just had a blowout in my wife's new Cayenne earlier this year with one with an epic winter that destroyed a section of road. Yeah. And I hated that experience and I would not wish it on anyone. Okay? This was by the way, the blowout that I had was so bad that a run flat tire would not have mattered. It was like we took mm -hmm. out part of the sidewall, mm -hmm. so it's all bad. Yeah. The point I'm making here is ask around, Forrest. Ask around all of you that are listening. When's the last person you know that had a flat and wound up on the side of the road. I feel like in the 70s and 80s, you better have a spare because mm. it was going to mm. happen. Mm. Yeah. All of us listening, when's the last, who's the last person you know that this actually happened to? I feel yeah. like we all drive in fear. What if my tire goes out? But do we know anybody that had it recently? It's not I, often. My, my point here is get proper tires that you're going to enjoy driving. Could something happen? Yes. Will that be a bummer? Yes. Is that a reason? This is like buying a pickup because you use it one day a year. You're buying run flat tires because yeah. sometime in the next five years of the life of that tire, you might have something where you need it to be a run flat. Buy tires that you like and take the gamble because I don't think the chances are high it's ever going to be an issue. And if it is an issue, it's not like anybody you needed to see today is going to be like, you had a flat tire. That's not excusable. Who has a flat tire? Hardly anybody ever. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. Get normal tires. That's a good point. Marvin47 on Instagram sees a lot of news articles about how the automotive industry is slowly pushing back from EVs with lower EV sale targets and growth. At the same time, he sees lots of news articles that EV sales are booming and the take rates are higher. Is this clickbait journalism or is the industry very uncertain with where it's going to go? <laughs> Open, <laughs> open your books to chapter six. We will be here for the next hour. Exactly. Similarly, Bitter Car Guy asks what we think is behind the declining adoption of EVs. High prices, inadequate charging infrastructure, range anxiety, unfamiliarity. What is it? I think it really depends on so many things and it's more uncertain than it ever has been because infrastructure in North America is one of the biggest holdbacks right yep, now. Agreed. That's what we're discovering. Whereas when we were in Germany, we were with our friend Tom in a Neo, we were there during yeah, pilgrimage yeah, yeah. and driving around in a Neo and he had 15% of charge left. I was going, uh Oh, what are you going to do? And he's like, just drive. There's a ton of chargers mm. in the middle of the freeway. I'll get you know 80% range back in like 10 minutes. Mm. Like, okay, that that's great. That's not what I'm used to. And that's not what most buyers in North America are used to. There's a lot of manufacturing issues. There's more issues with EVs in terms of manufacturing and adoption than there ever were with gas-powered cars. And nobody is certain. There's not a politician that is certain with these particular dates. That is always, as we've said before, the goalposts are always going to move. Yeah, yeah. So how do car manufacturers yeah. know and what can they plan in their product portfolio? It's better for them to kind of move slower, I think, in this day and age and not hedge their bets, but offer a wider product portfolio range than just going after this one segment because it's great if you just build all EVs, but 
if the charging infrastructure isn't there and then you can only cater to a particular portion of the market that mm-hmm. can have a charger at their home or the convenience of that, of such, then you're kind of limiting sales there too. So it's going to continue. It's going, there, there's not going to be a distillation anytime soon. That's the big <laughs> issue. Well, and, and there's two parts of this equation and you, you've identified them, Marvin. You've got what you're hearing from the manufacturing and the car market and the car side of the world and what you're hearing from general non-car news. Mm-hmm. And let me put this in a little bit of perspective. If you want to look at it from a how many people own EVs, yes, the take rate has improved. It used mm-hmm. to be about 4 or 5% of the market. Now it's about 9 10% of the market. Exactly. If you do math, that's double. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. A lot more people own EVs. Yes. And then you zoom out and you go, like less than 10% of the market? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem is that, that because of these regulations, all of the car makers turned in mass and went, oh, only EVs in like 10, 15 years? Uh-oh. So they made a bunch. Mm-hmm. And they continue to make a bunch. And in the place of G- GM, who was one of the ones who's very publicly announced a pullback, mm-hmm. they were like all EV all the time. And now we had all this slowdown in car sales during COVID and EVs were part of the ones in demand. And now all of that's recovering. And I am driving by a lot of lots and I am seeing it reported on the news where here's a line of that EV nobody could get a year ago. Here's 12 of them. It's sitting there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... That it, what's been interesting is because of the focus of the manufacturers on building EVs, that's the part of the market that has recovered the fastest, and now they have tons of them available, and buyers aren't showing up that quickly because it's ten percent of the market. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be an ebb and flow thing that the, I we have we have joked slash poked holes in the fact of this kind of like line in the sand. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that's going to be reality. And I and this this pullback, which is happening from the manufacturers because they realize they need to sell product and they have too many of that one. Yeah. This yeah. has always been the case. This is why they all sold SUVs because they were making a lot of sedans and the sedans started sitting on the, par- on the lot and the SUVs were flying. Well, we need to pivot to SUVs. This is the same thing happening here. There's going to be constant adjustment. I don't think that it's going to be all EV anytime soon and you're watching the results. Dr. D does the E on Instagram is currently in a 2023 Civic Type R. Ooh, Thinking cool. about switching out to a Golf R. Mm. Who wants to buy a new Civic Type R? <laughs> Dr. D is selling. But is that a mistake? There's mostly commute happening with this car in mm-hmm. straight highways and no tracking. The Golf R is uh, is interesting, but to me, not in, not as nearly as engaging as Agreed. the, uh, the Civic Type R. But what if you switched to an Acura Integra? That's a good question. The Type S. Because if you love that Civic Type R, the notch that the Civic Type R is missing in suspension is the one that the yeah. Type S has. Yeah. It's just one notch softer that makes it that much more comfortable for daily use. Yeah. Whereas the Type R is really track focused. If you don't take that car to the track, it's a bit of a tragedy. But that's why the Integra Type S exists to capture the market. Could you track a Type S? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Could you yeah, daily yeah. a Type R? Of course. Yeah. But that suspension difference is really the difference in clientele, in market, in what they're going after. It's still a hardcore fun car, the Integra Type S. Mm-hmm. It's still brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's got that suspension setting that is, it suddenly transforms it into, ah, I can ratchet it up. I can go carving or I can actually enjoy sporty performance that's comfortable on my back. Whereas the Civic Type R is sort of, it's brilliant. We love it. Watch our, this the re- stuff that car does. It relates like- directly to our most recent piece on the, the original YouTube channel where we have yes. the Type R, the Type S, and an Audi S3. Okay, and we put those together. The Audi S3 is obviously very related to the Golf R, not completely the same, but very similar. Watch that piece and, and extrapolate what your needs are. I actually agree with Paul. I think it's the Type S is the step beyond because what I'm worried about is I feel like you're looking at your Civic Type R going, I love this thing, but commuting's not really what it's for. Mm-hmm. I think that the Golf R might be shoving yourself too far the other way, but maybe not. Watch that piece and see what you think. Michael writes in on Facebook with a photo. He's actually got a visual aid that shows the dash of his Evora GT because he is on his way 400 miles to get warranty work done on his Evora GT. And he says, while the temperature wasn't great for the drive, he made it, it's fine. He said, why on earth do small manufacturers like Lotus not make it easier for someone to buy their cars out of the dealer network? He said he's just trying to to tackle normal things, but uh, the warranty ends in January, so he had to make the trip. Michael, I don't know the legislation and somebody does. But I know you do not have to go to a dealer to get your warranty work done. 
you can say it's a Lotus, it's specialty, I really ought to get the warranty worked on at the deal. You can argue that, and I get it, but they, you are not required. I remember there was legislation related to this, and you can go to other places. You could probably have gone to other places that actually do maintenance on other high-end cars in your area, and they probably could have done warranty valid work on your Lotus. I'm not going to claim which place, but this is the trade-off. We are all conditioned, all of us, we're all conditioned that, well, it's under warranty, I have to take it to the dealer. And that is the default setting, and it makes the most sense. I have a dealer near me, let's go. But we've also heard, and look, I'm a Lotus guy, obviously, I don't want to buy car X because there's not a dealer near me. And the oh, truth is, yeah. you can get it done elsewhere. That's good. Cars and Cycling says, what is a car from our past we would like to restore and modernize like the Griot's Motors Volkswagen GTI? This is tying into my question from Mystic Negro that I haven't fully answered until now. And it okay. wasn't until we were at SEMA that it struck me because oh, okay. 8% of me loves those lifted trucks. The, yes. the overlanding is really appealing. I really am trying to be honest with myself. And <laughs> I think it's more of an appeal to the romanticized image of overlanding rather than being hot and tired and dusty and dirty out there, broken down in the middle of nowhere going, this is fun. <laughs> We've figured out the overlanding you want to do. You want to overland like really like billionaires use their yacht. You don't, totally. want to, you don't want to use the yacht to get there. You just want to fly into Monaco and sleep on your yacht. Yes. You want to be choppered into the world's greatest overlanding setup that is 400 miles from everything. Somebody else got there all dusty. You just get choppered in, and they hand you a whiskey, and you're overlanding. That's what you <laughs> then want. Then I'm in my Dakar or uh -huh. my overland or whatever that is. <laughs> I have to admit, some of the trucks turned my head again at SEMA, and I... My mouth hung open because I can't believe people spent time and money and energy building this absurd thing. Yep. So I marveled at that. And then I think back to my first car that I shared with my sister in high school, which is a 1977 Jeep Cherokee. Mm. Grand Cherokee didn't exist yet. And it wasn't the cool Wagoneer like all the rich families had with the cool wood grain down the side of it. <laughs> I'd totally take a Wagoneer. Those are sweet. But what about a Cherokee that was brought back? You know, I'd have to fix all the rust. Do you want like an icon Cherokee? Kind of like, almost like a derelict Cherokee. The oh, exterior yeah. you do, you is still kind of like rough. Thing. You do like that. And yeah. the seats are ostrich skin with nickel plated trim <laughs> and some giant horsepower with perfect suspension underneath. And it's this Jeep ski truck bash around, but the interior is like, wow, this is a custom car. And the exterior is like, eh, it's an old Jeep, right? So that's that's my thing. And it ties into the truck thing, but I'd use it for skiing that's and amazing. put mountain bikes on it. it and it'd kind of be the once in a while kind of thing. That's awesome. Quick reminder that this is podcast 846. So two weeks from now, two Fridays from now, we are doing a live podcast. We'll actually do it on Friday evening, the 17th of November. That is going to be a live podcast. Also, if you're going to be in the Los Angeles area, we are too that same week. I believe it's the night of the 15th. We are going 15th. to be actually in downtown LA. We're talking about doing a little a very informal get together at the Yard House down there in downtown. Send us an email, Driver. TV at Gmail if you'd actually like to be a part of that. We'll figure out a group and we'll get together. That's right. November 15th, 2023. Thank you for writing to us. Thank you for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions that are pouring in, and most of all your car debates. Yeah. As Todd said, you know where to reach us. We're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.